Our, um, our, our scripture this morning is from uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who would have mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do the same. Now, Remember, Jesus is walking down the road to Jerusalem, to his passion. And as he and the disciples are walking along the road, they're approached by a lawyer. And in, in those days, um, the law was based on the scriptures. And so this lawyer was someone who would have known the scriptures very well, and then he would have known how to interpret them and apply them to the way you're supposed to live out your daily life. So he was an expert in that. And I'm sure he had heard that Jesus did some things that, you know, any law-abiding person wouldn't do, like healing people on the Sabbath and some of those other things he did. And so um, I'm sure, you know, Luke says that he didn't ask the question genuinely. He asked the question to trick Jesus. And so I'm sure he thought, you know, this guy really doesn't understand the law, so I'll ask him a question and then I'll trip him up in front of everybody and show everybody he really, you know, doesn't know what he's doing. And so he asked Jesus... Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus did as he often does, and he answered his question with a question. <laughs> and he said, what's written in the law? Yeah, you're a scholar, you're, you know the law, what does the law say? And so he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, ding, 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 correct. That's a loose translation of the Greek. Uh, and he said, if you'll do this, you'll live. And so now the lawyer felt kind of embarrassed because, you know, he, he asked the question so that he could kind of show Jesus up that he knew more than Jesus. But now, right here in front of everybody, he and Jesus are agreeing on this. And so that, that's not what he wanted. So he decided to ask a follow-up question, and I think he's a little more sincere with this one. But his follow-up question is, who is my neighbor? 
Now, asking for a friend. You know, who, who is my neighbor? And uh, I think it's important to understand that this question is a limiting question. Because if you can tell me who my neighbor is, then I also will know who my neighbor is not. So if you'll just tell me who it is I'm supposed to care about and look after, and, and then I'll know those people that I don't have to care about and I don't have to look after, and that would be really good, Jesus, if you could just, just tell me who is my neighbor and who is not my neighbor. That's what he wanted to know. So he could, he could draw the line, you know, who's my neighbor, who's not my neighbor. Now, he's a lawyer. He wanted a legal definition. He wanted something that he could work with. He wanted Jesus to say something like this. A neighbor, here and after referred to as the party of the first part, shall be construed to mean anyone of Jewish descent whose legal residence is within the radius of three statute miles from one's own legal residence. Unless there is another person of Jewish descent, here and after referred to as the party of the second part, whose legal residence is closer to the party of the first part than is one's own. In which case, the party of the second part shall be deemed to be neighbor to the party of the first part, and one is oneself relieved of all obligations, duties, and liabilities whatsoever. Okay, that's, that's, what, that's what he wanted. Just give me a simple definition, Jesus, so I know who I have to care about and who I don't. But of course, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus told him a story. He told him a story about a certain man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And I think that's an interesting phrase that Jesus uses. He says, a certain man and he doesn't tell us anything about him. We don't know where he's from. We don't know if he's Jewish or not. We don't know if he's rich or poor or black or white. We, we don't know anything about this guy. Just, just a guy who ends up getting beat up and laying in a ditch. And according to Jesus, that's apparently all we need to know. <laughs> because, you know, for us, we, we like to... Um, you know, before we help somebody, we, we, we kind of like to decide whether or not uh, we want to help them based on who they are or maybe if we, if we think they deserve to be helped. Um, you know, we have all these kind of qualifications we can run through, but Jesus just seemed to think none of that mattered. Just a certain man and he has a need and that seems to be all that, that matters is that if he has a need, then he's our neighbor. And so this guy is going from uh, Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, he says he's going down. Uh, Jewish people in those days had a really interesting way of talking about direction. Uh, Jerusalem was the holy city, and it was up on a mountain. Uh, and so you always went up to Jerusalem. No matter which direction you were, you were coming from, you always went up to Jerusalem, and you always went down from Jerusalem. You know, now around here, we would say you go down to St. Petersburg, you go up to, uh, to Tarpon Springs, but when it came to the temple, you always went up to the temple, and when you left the temple, you always went down. Didn't matter which direction you were going. So they're going down to Jericho from Jerusalem, and um, along the way, someone robbed him. They beat him up, they took everything he had, and they threw him in a ditch and left him for dead. Now, as Jesus is telling the story, uh, this is a very realistic story because the road to Jericho was known 
to be a dangerous place to travel. And we even have writing outside of the Bible that talks about this road to Jericho during this time. It was very dangerous because there were lots of places for robbers to hide and, uh, and they would. And people would go down the road and they would jump out and they would rob them, beat them up. So the story Jesus is telling is a very um, realistic story. A certain man is traveling down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and some people jump out, beat him, rob him, and throw him in a ditch. It's just an act of random, senseless violence, just like the world that we live in. And a priest came by walking down the road and he saw him. And so he went over to the other side of the road and walked on by. And then a Levite came along and a Levite was a, someone who was very religious because they helped the priest with th their duties. The Levite saw him, he went over to the other side of the road and passed by. Now I've heard preachers in sermons try to, you know, kind of maybe help us feel sorry for these two guys because uh, by saying that if they had walked over to him and touched him and it turns out that he was dead, then they would have been unclean and couldn't have done any of those religious responsibilities and duties they had to do at the temple. And I've heard people say that, but the problem with that is they were leaving the temple. They, they were going from Jerusalem to Jericho. So uh, this didn't happen before church. This happened after church uh, that they saw this man and just moved along to the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan came along. Now that doesn't mean anything to us. But let me tell you that when Jesus said that word, the hair on the back of the necks of all of his Jewish listeners just stood right up. Because Jews and Samaritans really hated each other. Remember last week, Jesus was going to stay in a Samaritan village and they told him he couldn't. And then James and John said, let's call down fire from heaven and teach them a lesson. Well, that's kind of the way they, they thought about each other. That's kind of how they got along. And so when Jesus said a, a, a Samaritan came by, uh, that, that really caught them off guard. And he said that he saw this injured man lying there in the ditch. And he didn't go to the other side of the road. He went over to him. And, and there's an interesting word there that I think is important. It says that he saw him. You see, that's the first step to loving our neighbor is to actually see our neighbor. You know, the other two, they just kind of glanced over there, quickly turned their heads and, and moved on. But he saw him and he saw his suffering. And so he wanted to do something about it. Because when it comes to suffering and injustice, it's really easy to just not see it. To just look the other way. Just not really pay attention. But he saw this man, a Samaritan. I still can't tell you, that, that, that would have just offended them so much that this was a Samaritan. And I don't know how to translate this into our language in a way that, that would make sense to us. So let me just ask you to think for a moment. If there is someone, you know, someone you know, or maybe someone you've seen on TV or whatever, that just really rubs you the wrong way, you really don't like them at all. Now, I know we're all good Christians here and we love everybody, so you probably don't have that. But, but imagine if you did, 
the person that you despise the most, the person that if you were laying in that ditch and they walked by, you would say, just keep on going. I'd rather bleed to death than have you help me. <laughs> That's who stopped by to help him. That's what they thought of the Samaritan. So I don't know how Jesus would tell this today, but I assure you he would offend us. He would rattle our prejudices with it. And so after this, Jesus asked the lawyer, he says, which of these do you think was the neighbor to the man who was in the ditch? And the lawyer, if you notice, he can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. <laughs> he just kind of says, uh, the, the, the one who showed him mercy. That's, that's who it was. Now, we've heard this parable so often that unfortunately, um, I think it's lost a lot of power with us because we kind of turn it into a platitude that means, you know, you should feel good about yourself if you do something nice for somebody when it's convenient. Um, but that's not really what it's about at all. Um, you know, we think it's about stuff like, you know, we see our neighbor walking down the road and so we give them, a, uh, you know, our actual physical neighbor that lives, we know them. And so we, we give them a ride because their car broke down or uh, we give by somebody, you know, behind us in the line at Starbucks a cup of coffee and we, we think that's being a good Samaritan, you know, doing small things for people mostly like us. But it's a much more convicting story than that. It's a story about how people who suffer are our neighbors, no matter who they are. There are no tests to determine whether or not they deserve it. If they're suffering, they're our neighbor. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon on this text and he said this, he said, when the Levite and the priest saw the man in the ditch, they asked this question, what will happen to me if I stop and help him? When the Samaritan saw the man in the ditch, he asked this question, what will happen to him if I don't stop and help him? See, it's all perspective. It's all a matter of seeing what's going on. And so when the lawyer answered that it's the one who had shown mercy was the neighbor, then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Because it's not enough to just know the right answer to the question. We actually have to do it. And, and Jesus is not going to allow us to take this story and have theological or political debates about it he says, this is simply how it is when you see someone in need, you help them. That's what it means to be a neighbor. It's a question of suffering and compassion and going and doing likewise. And so when someone is suffering and we see them, we do something about it. Because if they're suffering, then they are our neighbor. And in the end, it doesn't matter what we think or say. It's what we do. Now, Fred Craddock tells this wonderful story about the time he met Albert Schweitzer. Now, if you're not familiar with that name, Albert Schweitzer was an incredible man who lived in the first half of the last century. He was a master organist, a medical doctor, a philosopher, a biblical scholar, a lecturer, a writer, and an absolutely amazing man who spent the last de few decades of his life in Africa 
as a doctor, working with some of the sickest and poorest people there were. Schweitzer wrote a book called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And when I went to seminary, it was required reading. Everybody read that book. Now, Fred Craddock, who went to seminary long before I did, also had to read that book. And when he read it, he didn't think much of it. As a matter of fact, he wrote, I think I was 20 years old when I read Albert Schweitzer's Quest of the Historical Jesus. I found his Christology woefully lacking, more water than wine. I marked it up, I wrote in the margins, I raised questions of all kinds. And then one day I read in the Knoxville News Sentinel that Albert Schweitzer was going to be in Cleveland, Ohio to play the dedicatory concert for a big organ in a church up there. And according to the article, he was going to stay afterwards in the fellowship hall for conversation. So Fred Craddock bought a ticket, a bus ticket, to go so that he could meet Albert Schweitzer. And he brought with him his notebook of all of his questions, all the things he thought Schweitzer had wrong that he wanted to question him about. He said, I went there and I heard the concert. I rushed into the fellowship hall, got a seat in the front row, and I waited with my notepad full of questions. And after a while, he came in. Shaggy hair, big white mustache, stooped, 75 years old. He came in with a cup of tea and some refreshments, and he stood right in front of where I was, and Dr. Schweitzer thanked everybody, and he said, you have been very warm and hospitable to me. I thank you for it. I wish I could stay longer with you, but I must go back to Africa because my people are poor and diseased and hungry and dying, and I have to go. We have a medical station at Lamborghini. If anyone in this room who has the love of Jesus would be prompted by that love to go with me and help me. Craddock wrote, I looked down at my questions and they were so stupid. <laughs> and I learned again what it means to be a Christian and I had hopes that I could be that someday. We live in a time when we get so distracted. You know, all our denominational infighting and all the political fighting and all the other stuff. And, and we get so wrapped up in what we think and what we believe and what we're supposed to say. And Jesus reminded us, it's what we do. It's what we do that makes the difference. It is reaching out to those around us in suffering and injustice and doing something for them. And the reason we do that is because this is what Jesus taught us to do. And nowhere better than in this story. That is what we do, not what we say, that makes the difference. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the book says. Amen.